This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to Pastor Helen Young of Worship Center, a life-changing fellowship. In Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, let us join in our pastor as she ministers the word, the love of God. Let us join into the service that is already in progress. You will be blessed and enlightened. Let us join in. We talked earlier today about the love of God. Amen. Coming out of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And five reads as, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, it shall be in your heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when I lie down, and when thou rise up. Amen. We talked about it. And I had made mention earlier during the first service that the, the little statement that I said about a, a writing on a picture that belonged to one of my brothers. And it said, to love is nothing. Love is something. To love and to be loved is everything. Well, tell me, what do you think about that? To love is everything. The love means what? It will break the barriers that holds us captive. You know that? The love is so powerful. Jesus made the statement, you should love your enemies. How would he make a powerful statement of you should love your enemies? Because love can break down the strongest It can break down those strongest walls, right? You know, you can love a person into salvation. You know, I remember the scripture saying that this woman could win her husband to the Lord, her unsaved husband. It's all due to the love. The love is is more than anything. Whether or not you're loved, If you're loving, you'll eventually be loved. Amen. I can remember hearing testimonies of people that have been under search imprisonment in prison camps and mistreated by the guards and everything. And somehow they enter into a realm of love. And even though they're being persecuted, guess what? They love their enemies. I mean, I don't know if I could do that. I would pray that I could. Right now I say I can, but I'm not in this test. Y'all with me on this? 
we can all make our boast of what we will and will not do, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating, right? So that means that when we're coming up against, oh, come on, the fire, down the bullets, those fiery darts, can we love that person that did it? I remember a reading, and I did get a chance to meet Carla Faye Tucker, which was on death row. I remember going to the prison where I was working in the prisons there in Houston. And she did a heinous crime with an axe. And uh, she was executed with lethal injection uh, some years in the 90s before I moved up here. But the thing about it is this. She had been, you know, spaced out on drugs and everything. But while she was in prison, her life changed. She accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And I remember she was on PTL. She was on the TVN networks. And she was giving her testimony of how Jesus came into her heart. But it was love that penetrated that wall of hate. And even though it was coming down to the wire of her getting the death penalty right then, you know those people, the families of whom she had murdered, they had forgiven her. The crime was heinous. It was. But there were people out there who were saying, don't kill her. She's repented of it. She paid her debt to society and to live. And she said, oh, no, I'm ready to go. And she said, to be absent from the body is to be present with God. And saying that she had forgiven, she was forgiven, she hold no animosity and thank the Lord for him accepting her and so forth and so on. But I thought about that love right then and there. Your child is taken away from you. Most people, 98% of the people that are on death row, with the families that are still alive that you did wrong to their family, they're so bitter. They're full of, filled up to the brim with bitterness, unforgiveness. And they're there sitting, and I remember how they used to come in and they'll allow you to sit inside of that execution chamber, and, and you could see them from a glass wall, and maybe, I mean, railing accusations and think that you deserved it, and da-da, they were merciless. There was a time when I met Carla Faye, and I got a chance to preach there in a, at the uh, prison for those that are on death row. And at that time, there were six women there on death row. And I remember meeting her, and she was just a bundle of joy. And she was trying to let her light, well, she wasn't trying, but she was letting her light show that the other five would give their hearts to the Lord. A lot of them were bitter because they felt like the world had did them an injustice. Never walked in those shoes, but I do understand this. 
forgiveness has to do with love. Because if you were recognize and know the scripture that says if you can't forgive, Love is everything. Love can change the world. It can. It really can. We talked about Deuteronomy talking about, and you shall teach these diligently to your children. And then I went over and I read, and we read together the scripture that talks about in 1 Samuel 2, verses 11 and 12. And we were talking about the priest Eli and his two boys. And his two boys were really bad. And the Lord made a statement in verse 12 that says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, which is the devil, and they knew not the Lord. And my question that we talked about and and I posed to you, what was the priest Eli doing? And if he had all those words, and he had the book of Moses, that book of Deuteronomy there, and it says you shall teach diligently, talk about it. What was he doing with his two bad boys? What was he doing? But when it says that we should love the Lord our God, amen? And it comes down to a testimony of sharing the gospel with people when it says to do what? To teach them. There should never go a day in our lives that we're not witnessing. We're just teaching. It doesn't matter about the, the, the elements outside. What matters is that the word of God is spoken about. Do you know that when you're talking about the word of God to somebody else and even with your children, guess what happens? Oh, what happens? We are stressing on the inside, right? Oh, are y'all, y'all agree with what I'm saying? When you begin to water, you become watered. The Bible says that the two men were walking, and then Jesus met up with them. And then he began to talk with them, ask them, why are you down? And they say, well, you don't know what happened uh, Jesus was da 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 and as they went and they make this statement, did not our hearts do what? Burn. And they said, Don't leave, come on and stay with us. Not knowing that it was Jesus. So what am I saying? When you begin to share God with someone else, something strengthens on the inside of us. And when we begin to talk about it with co-workers that are filled with the glory and the light of God, you can go and pretty soon you want to get your shout and your praise on, right? Have y'all ever did that? I know I have. I have to contain myself. I sit there at work and, and get talking about the Lord, and then I remember all that he did for me. And I began to talk about it. I said, ain't he good? He didn't let me sleep, the sleep of death. But he woke me up this morning, and I began to talk about it, and then it comes out in my conversation. Somebody just happened to magically appear, so to speak, 
And they said, what you, what's going on? Just talking about God. Oh, yeah. Ain't he good? Isn't he great? Was he talking about, wow, the goodness of God? Man, you allow me to be a priest that can go in and offer up sacrifices. Isn't it great how God spared me yet another day? Oh, God, that I can come boldly before your throne. God, what were they doing? Was he offering up those sacrifices? The boys were eating the sacrifices up. Come on. Oh, my God. The love of God. God is compassionate. His will is that none would perish, but all come unto repentance. And putting something on the inside of us that we could teach the children. We talked about it today. When God brings individuals to you, guess what? You have something that you can impart inside of their lives. You know, he's not going to let that person go way over to, you know, this north, the east, the south side, when he has somebody right there in the center that they can speak the words. And what he'll tell you will be according to their level of understanding. The Bible says to take no thought of what you're going to say, right, or what you're going to eat or drink. It says that. Do you remember when Stephen was on trial in the book of Acts? And he went back and brought it all the way up from the beginning all the way up to that present time when they had killed Jesus. And then he said, it's you all that killed him. He didn't have to have that Bible in his hand. only thing they had was the Old Testament, right, because the New Testament was still being prepared. So what happened? It was hidden where? In his heart. And the people said, what? He was talking on that level of understanding. The word says that they stopped up their ears. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. But he was on their level of understanding. He met them just where they were, and they felt in it. But he met them just there. He didn't bite his lip. He didn't bite his tongue. He didn't hold back. He didn't say, let me go and meditate and fast and pray on it for three days. He told them just how it was, right? He said, let's take this boy out here. But then they said that his face shone like that of an angel. He was getting all caught up into the what? The glory of God. And the more he talked about it, the more it energized him. The more he was energized, the more bolder he got inside of that realm of Christ, amen, even when they were stoning him. Lord, don't lay charge of this to them. He forgave them while they were still throwing. Oh, I don't know if we can do that. Come on. While they were still throwing stones at him, the man had already laid their cloaks and their coats at the foot of Saul and Saul say, persecute him, kill him. Stephen said, don't even lay this charge up to him. And then Stephen on his deathbed say, Lord, don't don't do it to him. God forgive them. And then Stephen's making the statement, but well, I see Jesus. Then they, click, give him, knock him upside his head. Blood. 
blood dishing out. But I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that God's ears are always attentive to the cries of the who? The righteous. Stephen was a righteous deacon. Come on. He wasn't one of the apostles. He was a righteous deacon with authority and power. And the more he talked about God, the more he talked about it, the bolder he became till he began to shine as the face of an angel. Come on. As they stoned him, what does he say? I love you, Lord, with my whole heart, my soul, and with all my might. And even as they're stoning me, I'm going to teach them what thus says the Lord. Forgive. And my last words, Lord, forgive them, God. And when he forgave them, God was able to come and speak to Saul, who wrote more of the books of the New Testament than anyone else. But Stephen had to lay that groundwork. And his last words were what? Teaching the people what? Teaching them what? Forgiveness. Knock upside the head. Knock. Somebody had to hear it for them to write about it. You know, you know he wasn't like, oh, no. they stoned him till he was dead. But somebody heard what he was preaching about. And what Stephen said in his time of testing, and he went on to be with the Lord. That's powerful. I forgive them that threw the last killing rock at me. And all I did was shine like Moses did when he was on the mountain talking to God. You know what that tells me? This love that God has for us, it illumines us on the inside. I want to give my praise on. It illumines on the inside. The more you talk with God, the more you talk of God, come on, demons flee from us because the light of God shines on the inside, the love of God. What kind of love is this that allows you to be burned at the stake as Nero burned the Christians. What kind of love is this that God will take away the pain and put inside of you love for those enemies? So you don't believe me. The scripture says that the Hebrew boys, the king live long, live long and prosper, you know, they're like that. But the thing about it is, is this, but we ain't going to bow. And inside of the fire, they were getting their praise on. The fire that burned could not burn them. It could only burn that that kept them bound from giving God a hand praise, to walk and do a praise dance, and to converse with the man Jesus on the inside. And God is so awesome, the love of God. God says in his word that he allowed a heathen to have a glimpse of glory. So what do you mean? He allowed the heathen to see the Son of God. 
God will reveal himself to whomever he wants to. Talk about the love of God. So what I'm saying is this. When God brings individuals to you, he will tell you what to say according to their level of understanding. Be a child, teenager, adult, old person, he'll tell you. And I like talking with children. I like talking with my little bitty ones, Elijah and Isaiah and, and Zakar and Mariah, my grandbabies here. I enjoy talking to them, and we just talk about the Bible. I want them to know what is in that Bible. If you give them a taste of what's inside of it, it'll whet their appetite so that they want to read it themselves. Well, let me see where it's found at. And we talked about the plane. We talked about how the book of Deuteronomy says, teach them. Don't harden your heart when God began to speak to you. But if you're speaking to your kids and you're putting them inside of you, impregnating them with the word of God, pretty soon they have to give birth to the word. Amen? They have to give birth to their purpose that God has given to them. But you got to put it in. And I like telling them about those things that will captivate their attention. If we're talking to them on this level, what's going to captivate their attention? The Hebrew boys. Daniel, come on, David, but what about the plane? Did you know that God called down this and the hell? And the Bible said there was no other hell like that that rained down on Pharaoh. We talked about this morning, those, how many plagues there were? Ten. And I told you when we were talking about, just to remind you of it, we had talked about the frogs, can you imagine the frog god? These frogs, they worship to their god, was supposed to help the women in childbirth. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We talked about the first, second, third, fourth, and we talked about five, the pestilence on the livestock. And we talked about the boils on man and beast. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 9, verse 8 through 12. Let's go over there. We're going to talk about it. God always have us be able to give a hope of our calling, right? Come on. If we get inside of this word, and we can look at it when things start to happening in the natural. Then we can say, yeah, God did that. We talked about when God did the blood, when it turned the sea turned into blood. And that was like the first fish that ever came up dead and was sinking and everything. And then, you know, what, just a couple of months ago, they were talking about the birds that were falling out of the sky all over the world. And, and then there were, what, the fish that was washed on the shores that was sinking. I said, that's a conversation piece, isn't it? Now, you know, come on. Don't y'all like to talk about what's going on in the news? And when they said that, I was just like, I want to put my sister. But what comes to my mind, wow, put over in the land of Goshen. You know, I like that. But they wouldn't handle it. But the thing about it is, is guess what? But it happened before. It's not a new thing. It had happened before. Okay, over in Exodus 9, verses 8. Let's start kind of reading over there for a second. 
Then the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handful of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it towards the heaven in the sight of whom? Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a mortal breaking forth with blames upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took the ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up towards heaven, and it became a fog, come on, looking at this, breaking forth with blames upon man and upon his beast. And the magician could not stand before whom? Come on. They could not stand before whom? Moses, because of the what? Boils, for the boils was upon the magician and upon all the Egyptian, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hardened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. So listen to this. His, his magicians, they couldn't, come on, do any of that witchy woo stuff. Why? They had balls. There were balls in, every, in their prophets and everything. So they had balls that were running balls, running with that stuff, and they couldn't. They were too sick. Couldn't walk. Couldn't move. Balls everywhere. Come on. Pharaoh was hardening his heart against letting the people go, and God with a miraculous and strong arm, come on, he showed them that I am God. His magicians could not do what God does. There are always imitators, but no duplicators. Come on. Nobody can do what God does. Only God can do it. They try to imitate it, but they can't. It comes up counterfeit. The next one, listen to this. What was plague number seven? Heavy hail with thunder and lightning. You know, every time it hails, I think about those. Do y'all ever think about that? I do. I think about when every time it hails, I think about, man, what was it like when Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go? I say, it was bad. I, I wouldn't want to be there. Come on. Go with me to Exodus 9, 13 to 35. Come on, go with me there. And this is what it says. Uh, to Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrew, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thee and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none, what? None like what? None like me. Where? In all the earth. Isn't God something? For now I will stretch out my hands and I might smite thee and thy people with pestilence and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. This time I will cause it to what? Rain of very what? Grievous hell, such as has not been in Egypt since when? The foundation they are even until now. Did y'all get what that means? He said, there had never been hell like this since the foundation of what? The world. Been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. 
stand therefore now and gather thy cattle and for those that they have in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hell shall come down upon them and what? They shall die. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand towards where? Towards heaven. That there might be hell in all the lands of Egypt, upon man and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod towards heaven, and the Lord said, Thunder alone, thunder and hell, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hell upon the land of Egypt. So there was hell and what? Fire mingled with the hell, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hell smoked throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hell smoked every herb of the field, and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of where? Goshen, where the children of Egypt were, there was no hell. In the midst of all of that trouble that's going on, guess what? In the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were, where the Hebrew God people were, guess what? They did not have that. But God had just said what? That in this time, any person or animal outside in the field is going to do what? Die because of the hill. Listen, the hill came down mingled with fire. It even begin to mend. And it says, since the foundation. And never since like that before. But in the land of Goshen. Do you know what that tells me? The love of God. If you hearken diligent to his commandments and to do it, I will not let any of those plagues that I put on the Egyptians arm you. But we are in that land of Goshen. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we hearken diligent to him, he won't let none of that come on us. And to give us that hope, he put it in black and white in the Bible that says, but in that land, in that safe house, for those who are doing what I commanded them to do. Can you imagine them looking out up under their tree in the barn? I said, look at that. Come down from heaven. Look at that hell come down. And God was so good. Guess what? He did not let one of those little rocks bounce over into Goshen. Oh, y'all with me? Because they were what? Protected. Amen? They were what? Protected. The people in Goshen were. God is so good. Listen to what's the eighth? The eighth one is called the what? The swarms of what? Locusts. Go to Exodus 10, 1 through 20. The Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have what? 
God hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show thee my sign before them. The destruction from the previous plague was fresh in the mind of Pharaoh's advisors. And it's mentioned in Exodus 10 and 7. Pharaoh's servant said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the man go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Know it not yet what Egypt... Let me read it again. And Pharaoh's servant said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the man let the man go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? The eighth place must have followed the hill very closely. Heavy rainfall in July of September would have produced conditions favorable for locusts in March. These locust swarms of of foliage-eating grasshoppers probably were driven into the Egyptian Delta by strong winds. They wiped out the vegetation that had survived the earlier destruction. Again, as after the seventh plague, Pharaoh confessed, I have sinned. But again, after the plague was withdrawn, Pharaoh did what? He hardened his heart and would not let the children go. The swarm of locusts. What's the ninth plague? Three days of darkness. In Exodus 10, 21 through 29, this darkness could have been caused by severe dust. So man always wants to do what? Figure out how it could be. Listen to what they said. The three-day darkness covered the land. This storm would have been intensified by fine earth deposited over the land by previous flooding. This plague probably occurred in March. Again, the Israelites were spared the effect by going short by God's power over the light of the sun, represented by one of Egypt's chief deities, the sun god, Ra. This plague was further a judgment on the idolatry of the Egyptians. But listen to this. Man always want to figure it out. God says he was going to do a miraculous thing. It wasn't about any natural conditions. It was what God said that he was doing. Now, you got to remember this, that when Moses was standing there with God and God was talking to Moses face to face, God was already telling Moses what was going to happen. It was not by some, you know, climatic conditions or whatever. God said he was going to do it. He was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Why? So that he can show himself strong in the eyes of who? The Israelites and who else? The Egyptian. That he was showed that I am God and there is none other but me. But he had to harden, make Pharaoh, you know, bad against it, that God can show I am the God. I am Elohim. I am the creator. I am Jehovah. That's what he was doing. He wanted all of the Egyptians to know that I am God. And I could take whatever I want and do whatever I want. I will call fire and hell come down. 
And we here have a tendency to say, well, look at all those dents that the hell did. I remember when that hailstorm came and made all those dents in the cars. Lewis and Dutchie had come over to my house, and when they did, Lewis went and parked his, his uh, SUV inside the garage. And we stood there in the garage, and, and Dutchie said, yeah, come on in, come on inside. And we were standing out there looking at the hill coming in, coming down. And then it looked like pea size. Then next thing it looked like a marble size. Then it started looking like a golf ball size. We go, woo! We went on in the house. It's something. The three days of darkness, it wasn't because of no dust storm. Man would always say it has to be this and this and that. Let me tell you, when Jesus hung on that cross, it got dark. If God can create the sun and the moon, he can create darkness. If God can have Joshua pray and the sun stayed until the battle was warm, God can do whatever he wants to. He made the heavens and the earth. Amen? Don't need an explanation of this or that. But I like what the Bible says that even though thick darkness was over the land for those three days, guess what? In the land of Goshen, guess what? They had light. So what is God saying? I am your provision. If you hearken diligent to my commandment, what the enemy meant for your evil, I'll turn it around for your good. And even though it may be dark, there's a brighter day. Amen? And I can only imagine that what they would do is stand and look and say, wow, look over this way, I see the light. I look over this way, I see pitch darkness. Can you imagine the scripture saying, only with their eyes they can behold it, but it cannot come near their gate. on it. So when we are talking with our children, do you not think that this would whet their appetite of learning and it would get them to get inside? Even talking about it on our job to our coworkers, God, a lot of them don't even know about it. They, the ones that they know is by Cecil B. DeMille, what he did, come on, the Ten Commandments. You hear about the hell, come on, you hear about the water. But some of them they don't even talk about. But when we began to talk with them and tell them, though the birds fall and the fish come ashore, God had already had something like that happen before. What was the tip play? Death of the firstborn. In Exodus chapter 11, verse number 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Now he's saying what? Once I let once he let you go, he's gonna really want to get you out of there. Two it says, Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every one of our neighbors 
jewelry and silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people what? Favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Now here God is saying, I'm going to bring about another plague. Listen to it. This is so good. God will bless you in the middle of your turbulence, in the midst of your trials. God says, now, look here, Moses. One more plague, and this is the last one. And Pharaoh is going to let you go. Now, when he lets you go, you got to be prepared. Get the ducks in a row. Now, you go and ask some servants to give you gold and jewelry. Get some Egyptians, because all the plagues, they want you gone, too. So they say, oh, so you, you want this? See anything else in the house that you want? I want that gold picture. Now, I used to clean up that and shine that for you with the breast, clean it, come on. I, I want that. It's all yours. With earrings, yours. Can I get this big old cross? Yours. Didn't he just say that? Oh, let me read it back to you. Speak now in the ear of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman. Borrow. Borrow. Come on, they have favor. Borrow. They weren't going to return it. Because once they got out, they weren't going to come back. God says, get everything that you can get and get on and get everything ready. Amen? Verse 5, it says, And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh, that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beast, and there shall be a great cry throughout all the lands of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. My God. Pharaoh was so busy not doing what God says that he wrecked havoc on who? On everybody. It was under his regime. But this magician had balls, dealt with frogs, dealt with lice, come on. Dealt with dead smelling fish, come on. Not having the water, oh my God. Then darkness, and then they were ready for him to go. We have testimonies of what we've read and explained to those who have not embraced God. If we can tell from the history and why they say, why do we do Passover? Why is it that we remember? The Bible says to, to remember what? That you were a slave in bondage in, what? in Egypt, but God with a powerful, strong hand did what? He delivered you. That's why we do the Passover. Remember them. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. I am your Passover lamb. Come on. I'm the blood that was put on the doorpost. I'm that blood that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We got something to talk about. We got something to tell the kids. You know, a lot of families, what they would do is sit here. You know, uh, and I, I just don't understand this. Do you know how they get the kids and they read on the campfire stuff, and they want to tell them a horror story to put Fear inside. You impregnated them with fear. The boogeyman. 
come on, Jason, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, and then you say, go to sleep, kitchen, I got one, and I told them some lies about some demons, and it got inside of their ear, inside of them, and they tossing and turning and running, and mama, can I sleep with you and daddy? I'm scared. There's somebody standing there. There's somebody standing in there. Kids are more sensitive, come on, to the spirit realm than we are adults because we are so full of gluck and gluck that we cannot see God. But those kids are sensitive, but we want to pollute their little bodies and tell them. But we don't want to tell them about the things of God. When we are commanded in Deuteronomy that says, when you sit down, talk about it. When you walk, talk about it. Tell them why we do this and that. Bring to their remembrance what? Those things that God did. The Bible says in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10 and 13, it says this, and all that generation would gather unto their father. Then we're talking about after Joseph had died and everything. Listen to this. And all, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which had, which he had done for Israel. What was the works that God had done for Israel? He delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. Come on. When Moses was there in the wilderness with God, all the mouth, God talking to them. Moses walking along saying, God, for 40 years, God, what is my purpose in life, God? I believe when my father-in-law, Jethro, has taught me about the Hebrew people, the Israelites, God, you brought me out of Egypt. God, now you brought me to Atlanta. Get Egypt out of me, God. I passed those tests. God, but what is my purpose? God, allow Moses to see and the angel of fire come on in the bush that didn't burn. And God told him, I have heard the one, the cry of who? My people. But you cannot go until you've got every inch of what ought not to be there. So I can feel you, it should be there. That's just your purpose. To build up your inner man, to build up your inner walls so that you can do what? Go and deliver my people for me. The love of God, it doesn't matter how long it was, God is a long-suffering God. The love of God would not allow the people to continually be in torment. That's why the Bible says this. He says, Moses, I'm going to tell you and show you, boy, what you're going to have to do it. He says, stick your hand in here. It became leprous. Put it back. He says, this rod you got in your hand will be a powerful weapon to you. For your weapon is stronger than those on the outside. They can throw down it, return to a snake, but yours is more powerful. With this, you're going to touch the water. With this, you're going to part the sea. Come on now. God had already showed him up there what his purpose was, and that is to deliver my people. But Moses had to have a relationship with Pharaoh. The Bible says in, in, in Exodus, what we read, he said that Moses was rich, and he had 
He was wealthy among the people of God and about the servants in Egypt. Why? Because when Moses was there for 40 years, he ruled in L-O-B-E. He ruled in love. How? Because he didn't like the unjust treatment that the Egyptian gave a Hebrew. Love, compassion. It ain't right, God. So what happened? In this book of Judges, listen to what he says. Verse number 11, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God, of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, but brought them out of the land of Egypt. We don't want to teach our kids our history. We don't want to teach them what it took for us to get what we got today, be it spiritually or natural. We don't want to take the time and train them up in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart from it. We don't want to do it. Why? Because we love evil more than we love, come on, God. We, we don't want it or we forgot it. The Bible says that after this, the people forgot about the great work that God had did after Joshua had died. The people forgot about God, how he delivered them. They forgot. So their generation didn't know because the parents wasn't teaching it. So they raised up heathens who come in and kill the classmates. They kill the parents. Scripture says that mother will be against daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and so son against dad. Come on. It says that because we are not teaching them. We're not sitting home. We're not teaching them. We don't even want to talk about it at school, at work. Our kids don't know unless we tell them. But the kids can shake and do every kind of little dance. They know the words of filthy songs. They don't even know what the words mean, but they can sing them. And then when you want to tell them about something about Jesus, the parents get an attitude. They don't take all of that. That's why they don't know God. But if we are on our job talking to them the love of God, for God so loved you that he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him, it passes, come on, raise it, don't talk about that. It don't care if, you, if you're African-American, it don't care if, you, come on, if you're native, Indian, it don't matter. For whosoever believes on God will not perish but have everlasting life. We need to sit and talk to them. We're talking about the love of God. The love of God can change people's hearts to keep them from going to prison because of a soda pop that they want to steal. The love of God will keep them out of prison just because they want to do this. The love of God will teach them to put their pants up over their way, over their butts. Come on, so nobody won't think they're another fag going around. If we begin to teach our kids why we do certain things, why do we take the sacrament? Why do we fast? Why do we pray? Why do we congregate together to give God praise? Why do we lift up holy hands in the sanctuary? Why do we cry when we're happy? 
Why do we dance in the midst of turmoil? How could David dance out of his clothes? What kind of relationship did David have as a shepherd boy? Come on. Mo, uh, 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 David's dad, come on, had to be telling his boys about the love of God. David took him at his word. Lord, how do I protect your sheep? So the Lord allowed me to kill a bear, a lion, and I grabbed it out of the teeth of his mouth. And this uncircumcised Philistine, what God did to them, he'll do to them. And I get your head cut off with your sword. These parents were talking about it. Jesse was telling David and his boys about God. Somebody in the family took a stand. And said, I'm going to try God at his word. But we, we don't want to talk about the love of God. We'd rather let them go to hell. People say, well, hell enlarge itself. Well, that don't mean that they have to go there. What's, what's with us? Why don't we teach our kids? Tell them about the plague. We told them about that. Get them to a point where their appetite, they'll be drooling at the mouth, so to speak, just to hear about God. I remember in our book club, in the children's book club, and um, with the preteen, and we read the book, Ben Her. And I remember Isaiah was at my house. They was at my house. And he said, oh, grandmother, we read the book, Ben Her. And, you know, he was calling out the names of the different people and his friend and all of that and this and that and this and that. But he knew it. He knew the Bible, that he knew that was in the Bible. And it meant so much to him that he could relate to that Bible story. Isn't it awesome? To me, to me I, I would just, wow, you know. To see somebody's life change because we sit and we talk with them. We gave them books to read alongside with the Bible. Come on. That whetted their appetite. Now he loves to read. What's my next book? So what do I want to do? I want to be careful what books we read. Because everything to talk about ain't about God. Oh, y'all with me? Come on. Everything that has a form of godliness deny the power of God. Come on. So you mean, so what I want them to read. So you let them read about those evangelists and those who went out and preached in China and, and all of that, and, and to read those who labored in the gospel and open up doors that we can go in and minister in those foreign countries. We don't want to tell our neighbors. We don't want to do anything about it. We don't want to bless them that the disciple has misused us. We want to seek out revenge. We want to do evil for evil. I looked at a little cartoon today and it blessed my heart. A manipulative child was manipulating the other people and then had their parents fired. This one little boy had planned a revenge against them. But he overheard his parents discussing the new position. And they had discussed every area where it would be beneficial 
to help them get to that next level. And why it was a good thing that he was working for the little manipulative girl. So he decided not to do the revenge, but he decided to submit himself to protect his dad. His dad had gotten a raise, a higher position, and God had worked it out. So what the boy thought was evil, God had turned it around. God had worked it out for them. So what I'm saying is, the thing, it was love. The daddy commended the boy and said, you carried around that pink bag. Pray to love. You lay down your life. That little boy did not lay down his physical life, but he laid down the seat of his affection. And with all of his strength, he walked through the shame and the embarrassment of his friends to talking about them. With all of the strength in God, I will not let my dad. If it takes carry a pink purse. I'll do it. But what love got to do with it? The love is different. To be loved is different. But to be loved, the love is the power of God in an individual life. Because if I can love her with the agape love according to my frame, because God knows my frame, that's what it says in 103. If I can do that, then the Philion and the Eros love, I get over them. But if I can strive to love them that do do me wrong, if I can strive to love my husband in a better way, or if I can strive to love my children, even though they may be baby kids, God will. You have just been listening to Pastor Helen Young of Grace Worship Center, a life-changing fellowship here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Thank you for joining us with today's message, The Love of God. We hope that you were blessed, encouraged, and enlightened. we see you next time, and remember, the best is yet to come. Be blessed. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.